the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, everyone. This is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, your host of Plan Your Estate Radio. And I want to welcome you to my show this afternoon here on May 5th. Now entering what appear, what feels like the uh, eighth month of uh, being shut down here in the Bay Area. Uh, I don't know about you, but it uh, every day feels like um, a week, and every week feels like a month, and it feels like we've been just shut down for months and months and months now. But um, we are seeing some glimmers of hope that parts of the state are going to start opening up and some business is going to be able to be restored and some people will be able to get back to work and uh, maybe some of our companies that have been shut down and our small businesses will be able to recover. I certainly hope that many of them will, but I fear that that several will not be able to recover from this. In the midst of all this, um, the last two shows I had guests on talking about services that they uh, actually uh, could offer and that would be helpful during this time. Uh, The first guest was in reference to uh, employment services, both for people looking for employment and also for employers looking for very specific kinds of employees and, uh, and is able to assist with different ways to find those separate from the mass Uh, the mass media approaches um, the companies that actually do those in a very mass way she's more individualized the the other guest I had is a uh, realtor here in the Santa Clara Valley who also has a service that helps families deal with cleaning up a property and getting rid of personal property after someone has passed away that could be in a probate administration or a trust administration um, I do very little probate administration. Uh, I'm doing a couple right now that will likely be the last ones that I do as an attorney. But I do trust administration, assisting families where there was a trust and the owner of the trust has passed away. And now we're going through the steps to wind up the person's affairs and distribute assets out of the trust. <clears throat> now, uh, for those of you who've been wondering whether or not you can actually go forward right now and get estate planning done here in the Bay Area. Up until the end of April, uh, it was uncertain whether attorneys such as myself could actually meet with people to do estate planning for them. Uh, It was clear that we could meet virtually 
through a, a Zoom-type meeting. I actually don't use Zoom for those meetings. I use a similar service. And that we could do design meetings and discuss things on the telephone or sharing screens or things like that. But then ultimately, what do we do when it comes time to actually sign legal documents? And that's where it was becoming kind of problematic. Well, at the end of April, um, the, the rules here in Santa Clara County, and I believe in the entire Bay Area, were changed to specifically include as essential services attorneys that deal with um, with um, death and incapacity. In other words, planning for death, planning for incapacity. Well, that's exactly what attorneys such as myself do. The legal documents that I prepare as an attorney for the families that come to me include a, a living trust. The living trust actually names successor trustees who would take over and handle things if you became incapacitated. And it also includes successor trustees who would take over after you have died. So that's death and incapacity right there. We also prepare a special type of will called a pour-over will, which literally only takes effect after you have died. So again, there's death again. There's also a financial power of attorney that's designed to give authority to someone to act on your behalf should you become incapacitated or even before you're incapacitated, if you decide you just want that person in charge of handling certain financial transactions for you. Then we have the Advanced Healthcare Directive, which is a medical power of attorney and a directive to your doctors about what your wishes would be if you can no longer communicate those wishes with your doctor. That document names a healthcare agent who has the authority to make medical and healthcare decisions for you if you're no longer able to make them for yourself. So that deals with incapacity. So what this means out there, ladies and gentlemen, is that I now believe, unlike before, that because my practice offers an essential service as defined uh, by the orders in place, and I'll set aside the notion about whether or not essential versus non-essential is that meaningful. But I'm now classified as an essential service, which means if people are willing and if they're comfortable, they could actually come to my physicist to meet with me to talk about estate planning and to sign estate planning documents. Now, this week I did have a person come in to sign estate planning documents. They came to my office and I put in place very significant and massive uh, sanit uh, sanitizing actions before they came in. I set out a wooden table that I sprayed down with disinfectant and let it air dry, which by the way is the better approach to take than wiping it with disinfectant. Let it air dry in place and then you know, any germs or viruses on the surface are getting soaked in the disinfectant and it's going to kill them off. I used special throwaway pens that I soaked in disinfectant and let them air dry as well. I had people come into my office with the door already open so they didn't have to touch anything, just step in the office, 
take a seat in chairs already put out, and the chairs were disinfected as well. I stood at one end of my office, my outer office, which is about 15 feet long. That's my waiting room area. And I stood at one end while my client, in this case her son, came in. They seated themselves at the table. I already had everything out for it to be signed, marked with post-its where to sign, and I directed the signing from about eight feet away. Everyone had masks on, which, which is important if you're going to. So we were practicing social distancing and masks, and I had sanitized every single surface that my client could possibly touch in my office, coming in, sitting down, and signing. Everything got signed. I then had my client sign my notary journal because I am a notary. Signed everywhere indicated there. Then I directed my client to take the single-use fingerprint strip that I had already provided that had been sitting there on the table for three days, untouched, and said, okay, peel back the plastic strip, then ink your thumb on the strip, press in my journal, ink, press in my journal, and basically took six thumbprints during that time. Then I had alcohol swabs for my client to wipe her thumb clean. When that was done, I made photocopies of everything after they had stepped outside. Then I stepped outside with the binder, put it in a bag that they had brought that was sitting on the ground, and directed them, take the bag home, do not take the binder out for 72 hours at least. That's to give the chance for any virus that might be on the binder uh, to actually be deceased. So, coming up on the first break for the show today, when we come back, I'm going to talk more about estate planning in this time and things that can be done during the time of the coronavirus. This is attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your State Radio. Get back to you after the break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. So here we are, as I indicated in the first segment, uh, entering what feels like the eighth month of the shutdown here in the Bay Area, even though I think we're going to be heading into the eighth week this coming week since uh, we were shut down. Um, I would like to open the phone today to uh, anyone who wants to call in either to talk about estate planning or if you if you feel like you need to call in and maybe talk a little bit about uh, about what we're going through here in the Bay Area. I would like very much to, um, you know, people can call in. They can kind of share their feelings. I'm not going to debate anybody. Uh, I don't want it to be political, uh, if at all possible. But... Um, I would like to at least give people an opportunity to call and you might be facing a situation right now where you don't know what you can do in the area of estate planning. Right now, pretty much all the courts in the Bay Area are closed. That includes the probate courts. Each court is doing something different with handling matters in their court. Uh, There's not any particular coordination between the various courts. Um, I'm getting a lot of work done of a particular type of work that I do as an attorney 
through uh, one of the courts here in the Bay Area. I've successfully uh, now so far had um, I think one, two, uh, five court petitions that have been submitted and signed and returned back to me. One came in the mail today. Um, that's specifically for the work that I do that I've talked about in the show past. Uh, the Hegstat petitions to gather loose assets into someone's trust after they've died and then also trust modification petitions designed to modify an otherwise irrevocable trust to reflect um, maybe changes in the law or changes in what a family wants to accomplish um, with that trust. So I'm still doing those. I'm doing those for uh, uh, clients of attorneys all around the state. I'm talking with more and more people about that, especially in those parts of the state where they literally and I mean literally cannot even go to court right now to get court relief like that. I am open for business. Uh, you can always book a consultation with me through my website at lawbob, L-A-W-B-O-B dot com. You can email me, um, my regular address, rpb at lawbob dot com, or you could send it to radio at lawbob dot com. If you'd like to talk with me on the show today or talk on the air, the number is 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. I'm opening up the line now. Uh, Vince, my engineer, will be taking your calls, and he'll let me know uh, who you are and where you're calling from, should you call in. And we can talk on the air for a while, even if you just need to 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 talk on the air and kind of share your feelings, share what you're going through, share issues. It may very well be that, that uh, you're in a situation that someone near you could help you with, uh, could provide some relief of some kind. Uh, so please, when you call in, um, make sure that you give Vince your name and your number. And uh, Vince, I know you're listening. If you could note down those things, then if there is a request for assistance and someone else calls in, then maybe we can put those people together um, and and get maybe some relief for some of you out of there. So the number is 800-516-1220. And um, if, if someone calls in, we'll talk with them. Otherwise, I'm going to pretty much spend the show today talking about um, just estate planning in general. Uh, if there's anything that this time in our history is showing, it's that the need to do proper estate planning has become more urgent than ever. It's one thing if you're going to work every day and you're working long hours and you get home and you're tired and, and the last thing that you want to think about is, well, you know, talking with an attorney like, like Mr. Bergman who's on the radio and um, getting this planning done. I mean, after all, you know, we haven't done it. You know, the kids were born 20 years ago. We haven't done anything now. What could possibly go wrong? Well, as we're seeing, even though we don't have an extremely high number of people that have passed away in the state as a whole, given the population of the state, we've seen that something like this can strike pretty much anybody and we're finding maybe pretty much anywhere. Yeah, a lot of these cases that have been diagnosed, when they trace them, they find out that they came from unusual places. 
in the state of New York, for example, in New York City, maybe it's the state of New York, Governor Cuomo reported that about two-thirds of all cases were people who contracted the virus in their own home, people who were actually staying at home. Um, and and uh, and that makes me wonder, how did that happen? Was it deliveries being made? Was it other family members coming home and uh, and actually bringing the virus in and infecting people who had stayed at home like they were requested to? There's a lot of uncertainty here, which means that doing planning, I think, becomes even more important than it ever was before. Now, Vince has told me that I have John on the line, who's called in. John, are you there? Yes, sir, I'm here. Yes, John, where are you calling from, if I may ask? I'm calling from Tracy. From Tracy, okay. I think you might be the furthest out of any colors I've had so far. Um, that's oh, in a couple okay. of years. So um, so okay. what can I do for you today, John? Two questions. First one I wanted to know, I would assume it's called the conduit trust, number one. I guess it has okay. something to do with passing on, you know, your 401k to heirs. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. probably extending the ten-year or five-year limit. What are the limits? I forgot. But that was one. The second one I want to know also some details about a castle trust, and would an existing trust should that be converted to a castle trust? You know, that's the two questions I have. Okay, that that second part of what you said after the castle trust broke up a little bit. Could you repeat that? Yes, sir. Uh, castle trust. If I have just a regular trust. How do we convert it to a castle trust? Okay, excellent questions. Uh, we only have about a minute and a half left in this segment, so I think yes. I'll address the first one, and then, John, if you can stay on the line over the break, we'll, we'll come back and address the second one when we come back. So in yes. reference to a conduit trust, what that's referring to is a, a trust that has become the beneficiary of someone's retirement plan and uh, and if it's set up properly, the person on the other end of it can take what's called inherited IRA status for that retirement plan and uh, and be able to spread out the distribution of the plan uh, instead of taking it all at once. Um, prior to this year, you could have potentially a spread it out over a lifetime, but the new SECURE Act that went into effect this year actually cuts it back severely and now the maximum term for most people would be 10 years so that's a huge change um now uh vince how much time we got okay we got have about 30 seconds left everyone so john if you could stay on the line i'll come back and talk about castle trust planning something i do in my practice and i think um i'll tell you kind of like how that works and how you could take what you have now and convert it Okay, uh, we're going for the second break now. Please stay tuned for after the break. We'll be back in a few minutes. This is attorney Bob Bergman. We'll talk with you and John after the break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. Um, before the break, we were talking about uh, talking with John from Tracy, and we talked about what a conduit trust is. I'm not going to repeat that, but John, you wanted to know about a castle trust and how it's possible to convert what you have to that form of trust. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yes, and also 
question is, uh, can we move IRA funds into the cash account? Okay, uh, excellent question. So let me break those down into um, two categories. First of all, Castle Trust is my term that I use, which means you probably heard it on the show. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yes, on the show. Okay. The Castle Trust is my terminology that I use in my practice to describe what's formally known as a multi-generation skipping transfer trust. You can see why I use the term Castle Trust. Easier to remember, easier to visualize. A Castle Trust Castle Trust planning basically means leaving property in trust for someone instead of giving it to them. And then the trust holds the property separate from the beneficiary's personal affairs, personal relationships, personal finances, personal business activities, professional activities. Instead, protects it inside the castle. And then the monies are there available to take care of the person, typically for their entire lifetime. So it's a way to protect an inheritance from being lost uh, after the original owner of the property has passed away. Taking an existing trust that may have been drafted without provisions like that to provide for that way of inheriting by children, for example, that's a matter of going back and amending and restating the original trust, replacing it with a new trust document that then will uh, actually be, uh, will have the provisions for creating the Castle Trust uh, provisions, if you will, after the creator of the trust has died. Now, in reference to retirement monies, you can have retirement monies directed into a trust that is structured in that way. One that is structured to say, instead of having the money go straight to somebody, that's the conduit trust, if it goes through a trust, but instead let's have it paid to a trust where it accumulates, and then whoever's in charge of the trust decides how to distribute and when to distribute money out to the beneficiary. That is uh, a way, especially if someone has a very large retirement plan, and they have a child who's special needs or a child who is financially disabled in some way or in a bad marriage, bad relationship, doesn't know how to handle money, you wouldn't want them named directly to receive those benefits because they could literally clean out the whole retirement plan, spend it all, and then find out that they owe income tax on the money that they spent and they don't have the money anymore to pay the tax. So um, you can actually set up a trust, I call it retirement plan trust, to become the beneficiary of a retirement plan, and it can be structured as a castle if that's what your desire is. So, uh, but it's a separate trust from a regular revocable living trust that then converts to a castle. Um, Now the SECURE Act that went into effect this year really, really has changed a lot of the rules dealing with retirement plans. Um, Things we used to be able to do last year, we can't do anymore. And it has severely restricted the ability to delay the taxation on retirement plans after someone dies. Now, now there's, there's, unless you have a disabled child who's the beneficiary, pretty much everybody else has to have it paid out over no more than a 10-year period, which 
which is significantly less than maybe a lifetime of 30 or 40 years. Did that answer that for you, John? Yes, I, I think it does. It does. So you, I mean, you said the Castle Trust is more designed for uh, disabled. How about, you know, I don't want to, I'm just joking here. How oh, no, no, no. Let me, let me interrupt right there. The Castle yeah. Trust is designed for anybody, any child, grandchild. Oh. If you want to make sure their inheritance t- stays separate from their personal lives and finances, it's appropriate. Yeah. I have many clients that set up that type of planning for their adult children who are knowledgeable, have good jobs, are all put together, but they just don't want them to end up potentially losing their inheritance if some mistake is made. Uh, I mean, people can be distracted and cause a 20-car pileup on a freeway because they rear in somebody and there's a collision there that goes boom, 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 20 cars. Guess who's illegally responsible for all the damage and injury? The person at the very back of it that started it. And that could be someone who is well-educated, financially solvent, fiscally responsible and everything else, but they just caused an accident. And instead of being wiped out, they could have an inheritance that's over in a castle separate from their personal finances so there's something there if they get wiped out by a lawsuit. Yeah, what what is the size of estate would you recommend a castle trust for? Well, I don't I don't actually recommend a size of estate. Instead what I focus on is what is it that the family's trying to accomplish. Yeah. Uh, if if my clients come in and say, "You know what? We just, our decision is, we just want to have everything go to our kids and they have to worry about it after them. We're not, we're not going to, we're just going to give it to them. Yes, we understand we could protect it for them, but we're not worried about that. Okay, that's fine. Um, But I'll tell you what, um, I would say almost in out if you have a child that's special needs or a child that's fiscally incompetent. Yeah. Because or or has like a drug or alcohol problem or something like that, you don't want that person getting their hands on any significant amount of money. And, and just as an aside to share, I had a very wealthy uncle, a uh, successful businessman, and had four sons and and a daughter, and uh, and he spoiled the four sons rotten. When he died, he left everything in a trust. With instructions, give my kids whatever they want. Well, one of my cousins had a serious drug problem, but he could never work at a job that made enough money to make it really serious. Then all of a sudden he had access to money from his dad's estate, and uh, he accessed it, and he used it to buy a lot of the, quote, good stuff, and he died from an overdose. Wow. So no amount of money should have been handed to my cousin or he should have had no access to it directly at all. Access to make sure he's fed, access to make sure he has a place to live, access to make sure he has clothes or for for some kind of program to get him off of drugs, but not handing him the money that he could use to essentially kill himself. And and I still feel the raw pain of that. It's been over 25 years since I lost my cousin, and I still feel that. 
that loss because I liked him a lot. He was a great guy. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like a, so. Um, let's say in your uncle's trust, would that be put like under a trust administrator or something who will you know uh, meter the money out to them? Yes, well, in that in that case, uh, in my uncle's case, he did actually have professional trustees. He had his attorney, he had his yeah. banker, but yeah. the instructions that he put in the trust were basically the sky's the limit. Whatever they want, he might as well have just handed it to them. Yeah, there were no restrictions of any kind. Whereas with yeah. with a with a castle trust approach, you can put restrictions and guidelines for the trustee to follow and those yeah. restrictions and guidelines can also act to make sure that the trust assets are not subject to the creditors of the child or the divorcing yeah. spouse or things like Got that it. and and yeah. that's why I'm a big proponent of I, I kind of joke with people and sometimes in my seminars I say I say, you know what, everybody, I'm going to say something that's going to shock you. But my wife and I have disinherited our daughters. Yeah. And people go, what? I say, I don't mean that we haven't left things for them. I mean, we're not leaving anything directly to them. We're leaving it in a trust where it's separate yeah. from their personal lives and finances so that it can't, people can't get to it and take it from them. So I joke that I've yeah. disinherited them. Um, and technically, I have. I haven't left anything to them. I've left it yeah. for them with someone else in charge of it until they're old enough to take over themselves and competent to take over for themselves. Got it. Okay, yeah, John, no anything problem. else? I think we're coming up on the on a break now in about a minute and a half or so. Is there anything else you'd like to add or ask? No, that's about it for now. I think uh, super explanation. <laughs> Great. Have you been listening for a while? Um, yeah, for a few months, I think, yeah. A few months? Great. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening, yeah. and I hope you keep tuning in. I hope to have a lot more great content in the future, especially if sure. I can get uh, more people coming on the show that I can interview that have services or businesses that could be valuable to people here in the Bay Area when we're yeah. trying to negotiate this time that we're dealing with. And uh, and it's yeah. different. It's very different. Um, it's easy for me to get to my office now because there's nobody on the road. Um, yeah, it's it. almost like it's 30 years ago. Okay, well, thank you, John, for calling. Keep listening. We're coming up on the third break of the show today, ladies and gentlemen. And, and when we come back, I'm still taking calls. We maybe have time for one call at the end of the show, 800-516-1220, if you'd like to call in. Otherwise, I'll take the last segment to wrap up the show today. So we'll talk with you after the break. This is attorney Bob Bergman. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. Well, this is the final segment of my show today here on Plan Your Estate Radio. Uh, this is your host, Attorney Bob Bergman and broadcasting from my office in San Jose uh, where it's very quiet and uh, even my building is very quiet. Uh, much of the complex that my office is in consists of uh, maybe half our dental offices and 
I think they're only just now uh, starting to reopen for very limited service, maybe for emergency service. Um, I know six weeks ago I would come into my office to check mail and things and the little parking lot out in front would be completely empty and I'd be the only one here. Now there's more people here which means that some of the business activity is starting up again. And as I said at the top of the show, um, based on the new uh, new guidelines for what an essential business is. It appears that finally the state has come around and the county has come around and acknowledged that providing estate planning services to people planning for death or incapacity is an essential service. So uh, I've been offering it throughout this time, but offering virtually uh, with uh, with teleconferences and and teleconferencing plan design meetings. But now, uh, for those who are comfortable uh, with coming to a physical office, um, you can always, if you want to book a consultation with me, you can always request in there that it be a face-to-face meeting, and then we can make arrangements to when, when a good date and time that would be. And, uh, and I, then I can prepare my office for a visit by doing a uh, complete sanitizing of all hard surfaces, chairs, things like that, so that uh, if you come into my physical office to meet with me, uh, we can practice social distancing. My office is big enough for that purpose. We can meet in a part of my office, my outer waiting room, which is about 15 feet long, so we can sit 8 to 10 feet apart with masks on and uh, talk about um, how I might be able to assist you with your planning. So we can do that, or we can do things uh, using a Zoom-type platform and talk that way, either with or without video. Um, it kind of depends on, do you, you know, how do you look that day? Do you want to be seen on video or not? Um, um, I typically am doing those from my home office, um, but I might be doing them from my physical office as well. We had a good call with John from Tracy earlier in the show who asked uh, some really good questions about conduit trusts and what I call the Castle Trust. If you've been listening to the show for um, more than a couple of months, you've heard me talk about Castle Trust before. And um, and you can actually find out more about Castle Trust at my website at lawbob.com. There's a link on the side you can click on to find out what is a Castle Trust and kind of what's the purpose of Castle Trust planning. So for those of you out there who are, um, first of all, I'll say for those of you out there who have been laid off or furloughed, and for those of you who work for uh, governments here in the Bay Area who are likely facing that coming up now, um, revenues obviously are down for, for governments. They, you know, they're not collecting taxes. They're not collecting sales tax. They're not collecting a lot of things. Uh, and even property taxes have been kind of put on hold. So let's hope and pray that we can get our state back to work, that we can get people back to work, get their jobs back. Of course, practicing everything we can think of to reduce um, the incidence of transmittal of this infection. Um Fortunately, the, the information appears to be that a large, large percentage of people who are infected 
are asymptomatic, meaning that they don't have any actual symptoms of, of being infected with the coronavirus. That's a good thing in one sense because it means you're not actually getting sick, but it may be kind of a problem the other way in that you may be infectious and not realize you're infectious. Uh, and someone else may uh, get sick because they come into contact with you. But if we continue washing our hands throughout the day, using hand sanitizer when we don't have access to soap and water, which is preferred, soap and water is preferred, wearing masks, staying far apart from each other, don't shake hands if you're going to do anything, bump elbows or or give two thumbs up or for my theater friends out there, do jazz hands to each other, those kinds of things. We cannot eliminate the transmittal of this virus, but we can uh, reduce the transmittal to the minimum that you know, that we can, but at the same time still work, still get work done, still get our jobs done, still get people back to work. Some businesses will not come back. That's a fact. Um, and for those people who've lost their business, I feel very sad for that. And I hope that there will be some other relief coming in the future for you or that you'll be able to rebuild or start again and, and build a great business again, because I know many of you have great businesses that have been shut down and may not survive all of this. So the show's wrapping up now until next week, when I may have a guest or not, we'll see. Uh, this is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your State Radio. You can call me at 408-247-0444 to leave a message. You can email me at radio at lawbob.com if you want to ask me a question. Or you could book a consultation through my website at lawbob.com. So we'll talk with you next week. This is attorney Bob Bergman. Take care this weekend. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com, or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved.